Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. At 7:12 on Wisconsin's Morning News, Eric and I have been talking about the big fire in West Dallas. Give you a location here. Your north-south street, your east-west street would be Morgan, and then this would be west of Highway 100, so west of the freeway as well in that neighborhood. And there is smoke all over the place. TMJ4 is Elaine Rojas Castillo has been on scene for quite some time this morning. Elaine, I thought it was interesting what you said earlier about uh, you have asthma and it's uh, really aggravating you how much smoke is kind of still at that street level. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we try as journalists to not include ourselves, but I didn't want to lie to people and, and say that this was a comfortable place. Like I've covered fires for years and this smoke is, is different. There's it. It's almost it's like burning your throat. So I've seen people that are all the neighbors that have come out. Some have like towels over their mouths. You know, you can see people drinking water. It's it's a heavier smoke that you can see for miles. And it's definitely not something people want to be around if they can avoid it. What's on fire, Elaine? So from what we've been able to gather, um, it was one of the apartments in a part of this complex. So I actually talked to neighbors that live around that particular unit. I talked to a guy who lives right underneath it, and he said that he saw the flames coming from what looked to be like the porch area, but he wasn't really sure. And he actually woke up to the light of the flame before the alarms went off. Oh. Yeah, there was definitely, just looking at the video that you all have had this morning, a lot of flames associated with this, and that I think you described it well, that thick smoke that is just sort of hanging around. Eric and I were talking, we both covered plenty of fires in our day as well. You can always smell it in the air, but mm-hmm. it seems like that smoke is still enveloping a large part of that neighborhood, Elaine. Yeah, it is, and it's also going into the highway. Like, we were driving, we were actually on the other side of town, we were in Milwaukee, and on our way there, we were like, oh, I wonder where it's at. And as soon as you turned, you could see it for miles. I mean, it's this thick, dark, like, which is why it's, we we still don't know what caused it, but it, it, it it's something that one of the neighbors said that from what they were looking, they were like, we can, I don't know what, what it could be because I've never seen smoke that dark and and burning for that long. Uh, I know firefighters are still working hard, Elaine. Uh, any, any word on injuries associated with this? Um, we haven't got anything confirmed yet. Um, the neighbors that I talked to said that they're, uh, the two units that it could be, they're not sure which one, there were families living in there, um, but they haven't, no one's been able to really tell us if there's been any injuries. We did see an ambulance come, um, but as of right now, we haven't been able to to confirm anything like that. TMJ4 is Elaine Rojas Castillo. Appreciate talking to you live this morning. Thanks, Elaine. Absolutely. Take care. Brandon Snide up next with sports. Sports is sponsored by Holiday Automotive at Highway 23 in Fond du Lac. Holiday Automotive, it's worth the trip. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Brewers were back on the Diamond Tuesday night and allowed 14 hits to Toronto as the Blue Jays beat Milwaukee this one by a final score of 7-2. to Pitch to Biggio, ground ball, that one past the dive of the second baseman Miller in the right center. It's a base hit for Biggio. Merrifield scores run number seven. Josh Morrow on the call right here on WTMJ. As you just heard, the Jays plate seven and they send the crew home with their 26th loss of the season. The Brewers have now lost four of their last five games and will look to bounce back tonight against Toronto. That first pitch is set for 6 7 
The Milwaukee Bucks are staying busy as they look ahead to next season. The team has set out to hire former Bucks assistant Adrian Griffin, who will replace Mike Budenholzer, according to NBA insider Sham Sharania. It was quite the process for the Bucks during the hiring process, who even sought out advice from their two-time MVP. They went through a finalist process of Nick Nurse, Adrian Griffin, Kenny Atkinson, and interestingly, they all met one-on-one with Giannis before any hiring was made. And then ownership, Giannis, uh, John Horst, their general manager in Milwaukee, they all huddled up afterward to figure out exactly who the coach would be. The NBA Finals will begin Thursday night in Denver with the Nuggets hosting the Miami Heat. Miami became just the second number eight seed to reach the NBA Finals. Lastly, the Milwaukee Admirals are embarking on quite the Calder Cup playoff run after the two previous playoff series were both five games apiece. President John Greenberg is thankful this one is seven games against Coachella Valley. You know what? When you're down two games to none, it's the world. Uh, you know, it's, you're not playing for your life uh, in game three. Uh, you're, you're playing just to find a way to get back into the series. The Admirals are currently down two games to one after winning game three, but nonetheless, being on the home ice can make all the difference for Milwaukee. Oh, my goodness. It felt like we had been gone for a year. Uh, you know, the last home game was on May 13th, so a 16-day break. Uh, from playing in front of our own fans, and you could definitely tell the difference with our guys. We played a great game on Monday night, and uh, uh, the energy and the enthusiasm with our fans in the building really helped a ton. So it's great to be home. The Admirals will look to even the series with Game 4 beginning at 7 p.m. on Thursday night. Coachella, sounds like a fashion show. It does. We ought to be able to take care of that. Like a con- isn't that a concert in California? <laughs> yeah, Come on. like that. Not a hockey Coming team. up next, maybe you've heard of the toxic work environment uh, complaints from Kelly Clarkson's show. What that says about our workplaces. Apparently, you can have top-level management and leadership ignorant to their own culture. It happens more often than you might think. That story next. Anybody that watches the Kelly Clarkson show? It's on every day here at work. Yeah, not really my cup of tea, but I know uh, I like her. Yeah, she's very pleasant. And a lot of people to talk to. She's got a lot of a lot of good guests. Yeah, that's why this caused a lot of people to be confused. There's this uh, allegation that she has on her show a what is called, and folks who work anywhere probably are aware of these terms: toxic workplace, toxic environment. Mm. Like, you don't want to hear those words about something that you're associated with. And so it's interesting. She had this, um, I don't know if I want to call it a scandal, but uh, Rolling Stone wrote it up a couple of weeks ago. They broke the story. People who work on the show say it's a toxic work environment. Uh, Let me play you this from Entertainment Tonight to set the stage. One current and 10 former employees of the show opened up to Rolling Stone about the alleged conditions, claiming they were overworked, underpaid, and their time at the show was traumatizing to their mental health. One former employee says NBC, the network that airs the daytime talk show, is protecting the show because it's their new moneymaker. But Kelly has no clue how unhappy her staff is. Kelly has no clue how unhappy her staff is. How can that be? Does she not interact with the staff, do you think? or What's well, probably a different they... relationship than your typical boss employee, sure. right? Because she's, she's not also... doing one-on-ones with them. Right. She's also the quote-unquote talent. So she is also managed by people. And you just get this sense that she was really insulated from things that were going on uh, amongst her staff. And in fact, a lot of members of her staff said, no, it's not Kelly. Kelly's cool. She's nice. She's respectful. So there's no question, mm. really, it seems among the staff that you know this was coming from her, but that 
caused me to question, how can that be? How can you have top-level management or leadership in a company um, not know what's going on? I talked with Mike Grubich. He's president of LAK Group, one of our partners here at WTMJ. They're a business consulting firm. And Grubich says this sort of thing is not as rare as it should be. The last people to know when things aren't going good culturally are the leaders, right? Everyone else knows way before that. They experience it. They talk about it, so on and so forth. But leaders are the last to know. And unfortunately, sometimes when they know it's too late, it's, it's not recoverable and it's when someone's leaving. Not recoverable. I'm going to have more on that in a moment. But back to what uh, Grubich is saying here, oftentimes because they're sort of isolated from these real conversations or simply not paying enough attention, leaders in workplaces really aren't aware of the culture and environment in their own facilities, in their own companies. And that's not an excuse because they should be. It's not going to happen through a series of meetings and calendar invites. Here's Grubich again from LAK Group. I, I, honestly, I think the most value added is when it's organic. Uh, if it's too prescribed, it, it almost becomes a check the box. If, if, if you're having conversations, you're, you're, you're engaging, you're asking questions. The phrase we use a lot is, uh, as a leader, don't go into a situation to try to be interesting. Go in and try to be interested. You know, it, it, when you do that and take that approach, people start to talk to you. They they follow you and they're engaged. All right. So how about you? You're at a company you like. You're doing a job that you like. But things in the workplace are starting to get ugly. I am typically sort of a mind my own business employee. I lead by example. I try to work hard. I try to go about my business. You know, and I don't try to stick my nose into other people's stuff. And you don't want to feel like you're running to the boss and tattling on everybody. That said, Grubitz says it's important for people to speak up when things are going sideways. And if you've got decent management, they would be glad that you did. You, you need to bring it up or else it's never going to get fixed. And the, the thing that you should always have solace in is that if you're thinking of it or if you're seeing it, I pretty much can guarantee that you're one of many, not, not an only in that case. Take the lead on that and, and bring it up, but but be constructive. How can I help? What can I do to help resolve this? That's Mike Grubich, president at local business consulting firm LAK Group. Yeah, that last part important. Go in, present uh, as wanting to be part of the solution. Otherwise, you're just whining and complaining and you don't get listened to. And here's the other thing. It takes a long time to really change the culture of an organization. I've talked with Grubich about that as well. LAK Group comes in. They work with staff and leadership and companies who are trying to create change. He says it can be a three- to five-year process to really turn around the culture of an organization. So didn't know? That's an explanation, not an excuse. But if it's bugging you where you work, take the lead and offer to help. Welcome to the Kelly Clarkson Show. This is my first show. I'm so A number of people texting into the Old National Bank talking text line this morning. Old National Bank, get old. Talking about having seen the smoke somewhat on I-94. So considerably north of where this fire is happening. So we'd call it about Highway 100 and Morgan. So southwest corner of Milwaukee County. uh, Just before you would hit Waukesha County into the New Berlin area there in West Dallas. A lot of fire crews on scene through the morning. And just significant with this fire, why folks are reporting on it, is the smoke, for whatever reason... Eric and I have covered a lot of fires in in person. You roll up and you you can always smell fire in the air when you're at a house fire, structure fire, or something like that. Elaine Rojas-Castillo from TMJ4 News was with us earlier. Just all of us agreeing that 
There just seems to be a lot of smoke associated yeah. with a fire of this size. She even says, she's like, this seems different. Yeah. Whether it's just because of the conditions that we're dealing with weather-wise, if it's because of the wildfires. I wonder if it's maybe just because it's been a little bit humid. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be humid today, and sometimes that smoke will just sort of hang in the air. Like yeah. the humidity almost pushes it down. I'm probably not explaining it scientifically correct, but you know what it, you know what I mean? Like when you're out there and there's humidity, it's like... Heavy. Yeah, heavy. Right. So a lot of smoke still in West Dallas this morning. Looks like things are well under control and firefighters have not indicated any injuries of yet associated with this fire. We've got Jeff Levering, play-by-play man from the Milwaukee Brewers from Toronto next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Milwaukee Brewers dropped game one of three against Toronto on Tuesday night. This one by a final score of 7-2. With the loss, the Brewers have now dropped four of their last five games and will look to rebound tonight against the Blue Jays. Coverage begins right here on WTMJ at 5.30. Brewers 360 is sponsored by Holiday Automotive and online with us from Toronto, Canada, this morning is Jeff Levering. So, Jeff, 6.07 first pitch once again today from what used to be Sky Dome. I don't know what they call that place right now, but Eric and I were wondering about that 6.07 start time. Do you have any insight on that? Well, I remember back in my old production assistant days, they would always say that the start time, and this was when I was working in Anaheim, they would always say it was an 05 start, but it was always an 07 start, and it's typically for television reasons. <laughs> okay. Um, so if you say it's an 05 start, it's usually 07 just because it gives you a, it gives you that first segment, then you get a break, and then you really start at 607. If you're the Pirates, you say 605, they usually start about 608, 609. That's, that's a pretty typical uh, situation for Pittsburgh, though. It's usually a TV deal. Well, but but Steve, now I listen when you're at home here, and sometimes when you're on the broadcast, people can overhear the inside the press box the who gives the game reports. Like, what's that title of the person? You know, first pitch, six oh seven p.m. Uh, yeah, he's our official. It's our official score. Yeah, right. So the official score, you can sometimes hear him on the PA, and it seems like when we're at home here in Milwaukee, that first pitch is right on seven ten or yep. whatever it is. Yeah, no, most teams do a pretty good job of, of saying when the scheduled time is and when you're starting, uh, and that's usually a good thing, especially if you're a producer on the TV side and you're going, okay, well, this is when the anthem's going to be. Better play that anthem just in case if we're not covering it, we have it covered. We have it We have it covered by some other content uh, or a commercial break. So it, it's very good to be prompt. I'm a big fan of being prompt and on time. Well, this is a, f- a fascinating discussion, don't you think, that I've led here, Jeff? I mean, anything to not talk about what's going on in the field of late. So I'm going to throw another one at you, because you and I both work with Gina Della over at Pella. I hear your commercials, and so do a lot of folks listening. And someone texted in this morning. They want to know, ask Levering what he means by cornhole bags in his window commercial. Thanks. You talk about the extended yeah, the cornhole bags. Yeah, so I mean they're they're draft anti-draft bags really. So you put them in the bottom of your door so that you don't get any drafts that come in. Like the wind would come through. There's a little bit of a, a gap between your door okay. and the floorboards. So we used to put those extendo cornhole bags, right? And you get what I'm saying when I say that. They're usually filled with rice or corn or beans or whatever it is. Uh, but we would put those underneath our doors, and, and you wouldn't be having any drafts. Now we don't have to worry about that. But no more, thanks doors. to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. 
You got that right. <laughs> Absolutely right. That'd no make a fun game, though. Bags, that's the first thing I threw away. I would yeah, use those. It, uh, <laughs> bring them to the tailgate. Oh my gosh! Yeah, for sure. They they would. Uh, they're a little brittle. They don't. Uh, they don't hold up very well if they hit the, the cement pavement. But uh, you know that's all right. We don't hey. need them anymore. They're obsolete. So, uh, Council Craig Council was on with us yesterday, Jeff, and he said that Willie Adamas looked like he had been in a fight. Is that true? Have you seen his face? Is he okay? I have not seen him. No. So he he was at the ballpark on. Was it uh, Sunday? Sunday after he got released from the I forget the time of day this this time of year uh, and what day of the week it is. Except when I talk to you guys, which is on Wednesdays. Um, so he came to the ballpark on Sunday. I didn't get a chance to see him, but you can only imagine what that welt looks like uh, from where he got hit. Um, but the good news is, is that that the swelling's going to go down. He's going to be fine. He still has a couple of t- uh, tests to pass. Uh, in order to get cleared to play. But he stayed back in Milwaukee. He is um, probably going to rejoin the team when we get back stateside to Cincinnati. Brewers play-by-play man Jeff Levering. All right, interesting conversation this morning, Jeff. We learned a lot, don't you think? (laughs) I don't know if I learned a lot. Hopefully you learned something. I sure did. (laughs) And so did all of the fans of Wisconsin's Morning News. Thanks, Level. We'll talk next week. (laughs) All right, see you guys. Mark Tauscher joins us next. Idea man. You know, I have a big mower. There's the one inch or it goes to the five inch. Do I go five inches so that I don't mow it all the way to the bottom and choke my mower? Yeah. Or do I go to the one inch? Innovative. Old National Bank talk and text line. Multiple suggestions to read the owner's manual. <laughs> and Packers Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's, don't you kind of feel like that's cheating, though? <laughs> it's time for Tausch on Wisconsin's Morning News. Presented by fellow windows and doors of Wisconsin and Kohler Services. Mark Tauscher on Wisconsin's Morning News, sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin and by Kohler Services. Tausch, I, I don't know, I have mixed feelings about whether or not this is still interesting to folks since Aaron Rodgers is no longer our quarterback. But I think everybody's interested in the soap opera and learning more details about how things went down over the last several years and Rodgers' relationship with the organization. I know you've seen the report out today from The Athletic suggesting that Rodgers' agent had called the Packers demanding that Brian Gutekunst get fired after he drafted Jordan Love. I guess my first question to you is, how do we know that's true or accurate? Well, I mean, I think obviously when you're going to write an article, you're you're going to get sourcing and you're going to feel good about what you're what you're putting out there. And the fact that Aaron is on the record here and can refute what he wants, he didn't refute that. And he can say, "Well, talk to my agent." Uh, that that pretty much tells you that that's what how it played out. And I think you can look back at a lot of things and, and figure out why this relationship went the way it did, and that night that Brian Gutekunst decided to trade up and, and draft Jordan Love, uh, Aaron Rodgers never felt like he could overcome that part of it. He could win MVPs, he could do all of this other stuff, and it was always going to be, I won or you won, and I don't know in this case if either person won. If Jordan Love is a great quarterback, Brian Gutekunst won. If he's not, did he really win this whole battle? Uh, so I do think that your first question was, do people still care? People don't want to care. People want to move on. But it's like when you're driving by. If you're just driving on a highway uh, and there's an accident, everybody's kind of just hoping, okay, I hope everything works out. 
but you're also driving real slow and you want to see what happened. That's what I think this article did. And, and I do think it's shed some light on how that whole situation played out from probably both sides of the equation. And I thought it was very fair to Aaron Rodgers. You know, that's an interesting point too, Tausch, because I would read that book if it came out and I had confidence in the reporting and, and the story that uh, was sourced properly, as you indicate, I would read that book to find out exactly who said what, when, and how it all went down and how that ultimately affected the team that I love and watch every Sunday. Yeah, it's, I mean, listen, it's a big deal uh, for everybody that loves the Green Bay Packers. And you know, you have a MVP quarterback, you look back and think of how 2020 played out and that Aaron was blindsided by that pick. And when you're in an organization and you're a front-facing person that, that takes on as much as Aaron had to, uh, you need to have, feel like the organization has your back. And once they did that and did it without letting him know, and I know we've talked about this numerous times, uh, that trust was never going to reappear. And it felt like Aaron kind of made a, all right, it's me or him to Mark Murphy, and Mark Murphy went with Brian Gutekunst, and they, they, to both of their credits, you know, Aaron was able to play at an MVP level, an NFC championship game at home, uh, number one seed in a playoff game against the 49ers. I just wish both parties would have been more communicative and honest and adult and said, you know what, you guys drafted this guy, I'm going to give you two years, then let's move forward, don't give another $150 million contract, it was like they were afraid to really confront where they both were at, and that led to last season, which uh, it was no good for anybody involved. Aaron wasn't happy. Uh, obviously, the team didn't have success, and that led to this, which could have probably been a bigger haul of draft picks and everything else on the Packers side of it, and Aaron could have reset his second act somewhere else. I'm sure if both parties looked at it and, and will at some point, they could have said, you know what, we should have had this conversation after the 21 season, not this offseason. What's so amazing is had there been a book written about the Brett Favre situation, you'd have hoped Goody would have read it <laughs> and not done the exact same thing over and over again. Uh, again, though, it's there's never going to be an easy end when you have a great player that wants to keep playing and you want to build the future there's always going to be that angst. And I hope in 15 years we're having the same conversation about a three- or four-time MVP in Jordan Love. And I hope the New York Jets are the team that want to trade for him because it would just be too sweet if that's not the case. Have a great day, Tosh. Thanks, my friend. You bet, guys.